Welcome to The Big Cheese Show, your destination for fantasy sports domination. Now, here's your host, Chris The Big Chee Cheon. What's good, everybody? Welcome to The Big Cheese Show. I am your host, Chris The Big Chee Cheon. Thank you for listening to The Big Cheese Show, a WTOP fantasy sports experience we also talk a ton about gambling against the spread totals today i am focusing on the fantasy aspect as a number of you have made some waiver claims specifically two giants daniel jones and wayne gallman let's start at the quarterback position and discuss daniel jones if you did go ahead and grab him in your league Listen, it's a good call because he's the guy the rest of the year. He runs, and contrary to what a lot of people in our industry said about Daniel Jones, he actually looks to be pretty decent. Had a nice preseason in his first showing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Proved, and especially these newer-age quarterbacks, your Lamar Jacksons of the world, Daniel Jones, even Baker Mayfield, once he gets a little bit of a better offensive line, they move. You know, Joe Flacco's not moving anymore. The the days of these Brock Osweiler stand-up taking, getting crushed quarterbacks at the moment are kind of over outside of Tom Brady, but he gets rid of the ball so quickly. So anyway, Daniel Jones, listen, if you picked him up, it's probably because you drafted a guy like Jameis Winston. I mentioned Baker Mayfield, and you're not satisfied. I think in a 12-team league, he's startable. No doubt about it. And if you can argue with me in a 10-team league as well, definitely in 14. Washington has allowed the fifth most points to the quarterback position, the fourth most rushing yards, fourth most completions, tied for second most touchdowns allowed through the air. Meanwhile, Tom Brady, who I talked about, he's going up against Buffalo. He's a guy that you did draft as your kind of quarterback. I was recommending during the offseason, draft season, to take Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady together and play them based on the matchup. Well, Big Ben out. Brady against Buffalo this week. The Bills have surrendered just 13.1 points per game to the quarterback position. That's the fifth least in the NFL through three games. Just three touchdown passes allowed through three games while they've intercepted four balls. So don't love this matchup this week for Brady. And on the other side, you know, Josh Allen's been great. He's been a fantasy starter. I wouldn't play Allen against New England's defense. We're speaking about freshmen or sophomore quarterbacks, first, second-year guys. I've got Lamar Jackson still as the obvious top option. We're looking at first or second-year guys. He's my QB three this week behind only Patrick Mahomes against Detroit. Deshaun Watson, who is at home against Carolina. Kyler Murray checks in as my QB nine. I'd still play Kyler then over Daniel Jones. I mean, the Cardinals pass at the highest rate in the league I want exposure to that I am worried about how many sacks he's taking he's been sacked 16 times that's the second most in the league and that's despite the fact that he's faced blitzes only 24.2 percent of the time which is 18th highest in the league but what I liked in their 38 20 loss from a fantasy standpoint is that Murray netted 69 yards rushing on top of throwing the ball 43 times he's thrown 40 plus in all three of the Cardinals games No, the passing yardage wasn't there last week, but he topped 300 yards passing in the Cardinals' first two games. All right, running back position now. And if you want my full rankings, WTOP.com, search Big Cheese Show. I do that every week. Let's go to the running back position now. Wayne Gallman, he is the popular choice. 
or he was the number one choice in the waiver wire this week. I bid on him $61, got outbid by two, 63. I've saw $80 out of 100 bid this week. He's my RB23 this week against the Redskins, just behind Philip Lindsay, just ahead of Carlos Hyde. Now, Hyde saw 52% of Houston snaps last week against the Chargers compared to Duke Johnson, who saw just 48%. You know, are, are, are we, are you all happy, those of you who sang Duke Johnson's praises? I mean, this guy is just, he's an all right running back in the league. He's another guy. I don't know why there was such hoopla around him when he wanted his trade request. You know, he's getting out-snapped by Carlos Hyde, who carried the football 20 times week two, but just 10 times last week for 19 paltry yards. And he's got just one reception this year. So even if they're going to get him in the passing game, Carolina has surrendered the least amount of passing yards to running backs through three games. And as far as Gallman, limited work in the NFL. Again, a guy and. This assessment from Lance Zerline, who wrote this pre-draft, I think it kind of captured Gallman perfectly. Zerline wrote that Gallman comes with an NFL-ready body and a competitive running style. Gallman has limited instincts as an interior runner and needs lanes rather than creases, but he's physical enough to bang out tough yardage. Gallman runs with pace and shows traits of being a one-cut runner who is better off with focused preset tracks rather than searching for his own. Again, I think that sounds pretty good. And honestly, I think uh, he's going to be getting the carries this week. He's equipped to handle it. He didn't get a, he got one red zone carry when Saquon went out last week. But I think this is now Gallman's time for the next couple weeks. The schedule gets brutal for the Giants. I think if you're going to play him, play him right now. Behind Carlos Hyde, I've got David Montgomery against Minnesota. I think you saw on Monday night that this is going to be the guy who carries the football more so than Mike Davis or Tariq Cohen. Here's Montgomery's ascending snap share. 38% week one, 44% week two, 67% week three. While Mike Davis, remember that week one, the opening night game against the Packers where he saw 56% of the snaps. Yeah, he was down at 2% this past Monday night. Cohen, by the way, Tariq Cohen, this was the fear. A lot of guys in this offense led by Mitch Trubisky, who I wouldn't call a bona fide great quarterback in this league by any means, who are going to need the football. And he played less than 50% of the snaps this week. He's my RB 37 coming this week. So you got to be in a 14-team league to consider starting him or you're just in dire straits. Last one I want to mention is Chris Thompson, who looked good on Monday night in splitting time and getting more work in the second half against the Bears. I want to put him ahead of Montgomery. I just can't. He still only saw 51% of Washington snaps compared to 47% for Adrian Peterson. And there was a sideline report done from Lisa Salters this past week. I'm sure you all saw it, that AP was unhappy. And Grant Paulson, a 106.7 The Fan, I remember him tweeting and saying, what do you expect for him to be happy? This team is down three scores. But to Lisa's point, the reason why she had to bring that up is the whole story and the narrative that AP gets in Jay Gruden's ear when he's out of the game. And I think it kind of has a little bit of effect on Coach Gruden. Uh, Coach Gruden seems like a beaten down man. You hear him in these press conferences and whatnot. I don't know. I think AP probably does capture his ear a little bit. And plus, I think AP is still going to be the guy. Chris Thompson cannot handle the massive workload, getting hit every play violently. But as far as the Giants go, their opponent – 
They're bad, but they're actually tied for third defensively with just 10 receptions allowed to the running back position so far. That's third best. That's Thompson's bread and butter. One thing I want to mention, too, Melvin Gordon coming back to the L.A. Chargers. Obviously not playing this week. Well, I mean, he's owned in your leagues. My boy Big George hit me up asking me if he would do a trade that involved Juju Smith-Schuster for Melvin Gordon. I told him I'd rather have Juju. I mean, Melvin Gordon is going to be one of the guys in this backfield now. You're not just going to start completely siphoning carries from Austin Eckler. I think the both of them will receive some work, along with Justin Jackson here and there. So I'd rather have the number one receiver in Pittsburgh, even if you know Mason Rudolph, it takes a little bit to totally get full, fully acclimated. Pittsburgh throws the ball a ton. The offensive coordinator didn't go anywhere. So I, I, I'd rather have Juju there. If you have any questions regarding Melvin Gordon or anything like that, tweet me at the Big Cheese Show. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. Terry McLaurin. I've got him inside my top 20 wide receivers ahead of guys like Larry Fitzgerald. Both New England wide receivers. I just talked about Sonny Michelle, uh, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon. I'd play McLaurin over both of them. As far as the quarterback situation with the Redskins, I've been talking about Gruden and kind of bash him here a little bit. and He hasn't been very forthcoming as far as the starting quarterback. Doesn't seem to have ever thrown the full endorsement into Dwayne Haskins. He wanted Daniel Jones before the draft. Daniel Snyder, he wanted Dwayne Haskins. So Case Keenum, he was in a walking boot this week. Colt McCoy was mentioned as possibly being in the mix to start. He's on his way back here. Either way, though, I think if it's Colt, I drop McLaurin in the rankings. I'll keep him if it's Dwayne or Case, and that's what I expect it to be. A guy I want to talk about, too, Stefan Diggs. What a massive disappointment. He's against Chicago this week, another spot where he's probably not going to be putting up any sort of numbers. He's my wide receiver 29 this week. I'll play him over somebody like Christian Kirk, either of the Carolina receivers. I do still think production this year is coming, but I, I worry. I mean, no team chooses run plays more than Minnesota. They do not trust Kirk Cousins to be this pass-happy quarterback. They've got Dalvin Cook, who's healthy, and that's who they're going to be handing the football off to. Steph digs through three weeks, six catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. The Bears are third in the NFL in points allowed per game. Four passing touchdowns they've allowed in just three games. So, yeah, Steph Diggs, I mean, he's in my top 30. If you're in a 14-team league, you're still starting him. But if you've got better options, I mean, Hollywood Brown, I'd play over him. All right. Want to mention, too, Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers not named Sammy Watkins. That's McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. It's probably unlikely that you have both in season long. So this could be more DFS related, but I want to mention that despite the fact that Hardman did break out last week with 97 yards receiving a touchdown, it was still only on two catches. And as far as the snap share is concerned, Demarcus Robinson saw 91% of the snaps last week while Hardman saw just 63. So if it's between the two, I am going with Demarcus Robinson. Tight end position, Will Disley. That was my guy this week. That's everybody's guy this week. And what's worrying me a little bit about him is that the whole world's on him. And DFS, he's going to be extremely probably chalk. But he's my tight end six. And I wonder if, you know, the Cardinals, I'm sure they do, hear all the noise about how awful they are defending the tight end. 21.6 points per game allowed to the tight end position while no one's even close. The Chargers second most with like 12 and change. My colleague at Roto-Grinders, Eric Bimefor, mentioning how, you know, the whole world knows that and 
it's a small sample size. I get all that, but he's still got more fantasy PPR points through three weeks. Let me read you this list. Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Carrion Johnson, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Joe Mixon, Josh Gordon, Robert Woods, Allen Robinson, Steph Diggs, as I mentioned, and George Kittle. So you got to get Disley in your lineup if you picked them up. You have like him and Mark Andrews. I'd rather play Mark Andrews. It's close. I'm uh, putting Disley ahead of Greg Olson. I own OJ Howard everywhere. I'm playing Disley over him everywhere. Defenses, hopefully he grabbed Indianapolis against Oakland. Check out my rankings on the defenses as well at The Big Cheese Show on Twitter. All right, part two of this week's edition of The Big Cheese Show, my conversation with Bob Stoops, former head coach at Oklahoma. He's the author of No Excuses, The Making of a Head Coach. Now, I asked Bob, who is now the head coach and general manager of the upcoming Dallas team in the XFL, about his decision to retire from coaching at the college level. Well, a lot of it was was all of it. I, I More than anything, it was all positive. It was all good. I just felt I was I had run my course and had done my uh, had had run my race at Oklahoma and I I wanted more time and space to myself and I was ready for it and I knew Lincoln was the right guy that I wouldn't be I wouldn't be leaving Oklahoma in a bad spot you know I had a mature and experienced team I knew would handle it well so it all just worked um, you know and it was the right timing for me. And I think as it's proved, even stepping out in June when you know the right guy is in place is okay. It all worked just fine. It was because it, in recruiting, it didn't shake up recruiting at all either. So it it just worked uh, perfectly. Bob, I remember vividly the rumors that you were going to go and be the head coach at Notre Dame. Were those just rumors or was there ever a part of you that wanted to be the fighting Irish head coach? No, those were just rumors. Uh, I can't say through the years there weren't a couple of conversations be- between myself or my agent. But uh, but in the end, it, it never got uh, very far. We had somebody tweet the Big Cheese Show and wanted to know, Coach, if you would ever be interested in the USC job if it became available. Well, I'm never interested in any jobs that already have a current head coach. So, um you know, I respect our profession, respect the, the guys that are the coaches in our profession too much to ever entertain or take a call or consider anything that, that already has a standing head coach. So uh, that's for you people to talk about, not us coaches. So in the book, you talk about your father who also coached you in high school and how he refused to let you transfer from Iowa after your first season. I think there's a lot to be said about that going through the adversity as opposed to immediately kind of taking a proverbial easier way out, what would you say to a quarterback who's not starting right away, a running back who's not getting enough touches, whatever position, someone who might not be getting the playing time immediately and is thinking about transferring? Well, I, I would say uh, my path was uh, my father didn't want to hear it. Uh, I you know, wanted to leave. I was very uncomfortable there from a steel mill town, and here I am in the middle of Iowa poor team, uh, all, all things not really setting up very well. And I was terribly, horribly uncomfortable. But, you know, his point was you need to learn to be uncomfortable and learn to fight through it and work through it. And after a few uh, choice words and, and some tough love, he wasn't having it. I was going back and I was going to work through it at least through the year and give it more time. And as I gave it more time, thankfully, and, and you know, he was right, and I ended up, 
earning a starting job the next year and start for four years at safety, you know, at Iowa, and it leads to, you know, the next five years after graduating, I'm a graduate assistant coach and a volunteer coach for years under Hayden Fry and a bunch of other great assistant coaches who became head coaches. And that led uh, to my whole career in coaching and, and springboarded me to even to be a head coach at Oklahoma. So all this doesn't happen without that tough love and him telling me I needed to see it through. Now, you hired Mike Leach. You talk about it being one of the most important decisions that you've ever made. This might not be fair for me to say. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm watching last week's game, 3 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast between Washington State and UCLA, and I'm thinking to myself, Wazoo, you blew a 32-point lead in the third quarter. So, Coach, is Mike Leach actually a great head coach? We know he's an offensive guru, but is he truly a great leader of men? Oh, he's a fantastic leader, and he's proven that everywhere he's been. He's been a successful head coach. He's won everywhere he's been. In fact, you can, I guess you, you look at Tech and, and Washington State, he's won as much or more than about anyone else who's, who, who had been in, at those places. So Mike's a fantastic head coach and, and a great leader. Last question, Coach. What was your favorite venue to travel to? Uh, probably my favorite to go into would be the Cotton Bowl play in Texas. You know, half the stadium's crimson, other half of it's burnt orange. Everybody's loud. You drive your bus, you weave your bus through the state fair, about 300,000 people at the state fair to get to the middle where the Cotton Bowl is. And, you know, all the gestures that the Texas people are giving you and yelling at the bus and it's the best i mean it's your locker rooms are right across from each other up the same tunnel um it's a great atmosphere to watch a game it's like a bowl game right in the middle of the season there you have it bob stoops former head coach at oklahoma he is now the head coach and general manager of the dallas renegades in the upcoming xfl all right everybody awesome show i was starstruck to talk to coach stoops Thank you, everyone, for taking a few moments out of your day to check us out here on The Big Cheese Show. Please, please, please subscribe to The Big Cheese Show on iTunes. Would make a bro's day. Music in this episode is Rev by Eveningland, available in the YouTube audio library. Tweet me at The Big Cheese Show with any fantasy or gambling-related questions. We out. We out.